And welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Hope everyone enjoyed our first sample of the game night here on the show. I'm just going to do this for a couple of days just to give you kind of a taste of what I'm doing every weeknight on 97.3 The Game from 6 until 7 p.m. Hope you can catch it if you're in the Milwaukee area. If you're not and you want to listen to it live, you can certainly do so on the iHeartRadio app. Just search out 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and we'll kind of take you right to it wherever you happen to be listening to this. I know that this show reaches all corners of the globe. We've been on five continents so far, which has been fantastic. Uh, but this was a show that we did earlier tonight, and I hope you enjoy it. Paul Wagner joined us, and we also talked some Badgers football with Badger Blitz's Jay Kokorowski. As the day turns to night, 97.3 The Game isn't done talking about the teams you care about. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. You'll hear from the newsmakers and newsbreakers from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the world. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. This is the game night. Here's Doug Russell. You know, in that open, you got the Super Bowl 45 clinching play or the end of the game. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Well, yeah. Because it was named after former Packers coach Vince Lombardi, obviously. It's not as certain when the Bucks win their first NBA championship in 20 years, or in 20 years, 50 years, uh, just about a month ago. Has it been a month already? Not quite. Almost. It was July 20th, and now it's August 12th, so not quite a month ago, but still fresh, of course, in everyone's mind. I am not convinced that the Milwaukee Brewers are not going to win this year's World Series. Because they've got the ingredients to do it. And yes, they beat up on a terrible Iowa Cubs team over the last four days. Well, three days, I guess. There was the doubleheader necessitated by the rain delay. So, or the rain out on Monday. So, three days, four games, four game sweep, first time ever that the Brewers swept the Cubs at Wrigley Field. And we're going to have our uh, MLB insider Paul Wagner coming up in just a few minutes. But this is a stunning statistic to me because the Brewers won their 70th game today, 70 and 46. All they have to do is play 500 ball, and they've been playing well over 500 ball. They're 24 games over 500 right now. But if they just play 500 ball the rest of the way, they've got 46 games left. If they go 23 and 23, they're going to be 93 and 69. That's only playing 500 ball. I think they have enough bats to do that. And Eduardo Escobar is a perfect example of that. Another three hits today. Three runs scored for Escobar today. Luis Urias, ever since the trade for Willie Adamas, the the pressure has been off of Luis Urias. Sometimes I think he's still got some defensive deficiencies, of course, which we've all seen. But Luis Urias, five hits today, five runs scored, five RBIs. Jace Peterson today, five for five, four RBIs, three runs scored. Manny Pena, two home runs today, three for six overall, a grand slam, and a two-run home run, six RBIs. For Manny Pena, your backup catcher, and oh, by the way, your starting catcher is an all-star because of not only what he's doing behind the plate, but what he's doing at it as well. Christian Yelich, 
we have talked about ad nauseum about what in the absolute living daylights is wrong with Christian Yelich. He had a couple of hits today, which is good. Whatever it takes to get him back on track. Because if you can add Yelly's bat over the last 46 games, I mean, not the Yelly bat of the last two years, but perhaps something close to what we saw in 2018 or 2019 just for the last 46 games and then on into the postseason because I think at this point it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Brewers are going to be making an appearance in the postseason. Again, all they have to do is go 500 and they're 93 and 69, 24 games over 500 right now. If you can do that, if you can, with the additions, that David Stearns and Matt Arnold have made to this team during the season, whether it's picking up a guy like Rowdy Teles who comes up with clutch hit after clutch hit and has instantly become a fan favorite, whether it has been a Willie Adamas who played in the World Series a year ago, and I don't ever discount that. There's always, to me, going to be, if you've done it, there's value to that. Like with the Bucks now, they've got a roster full of guys who have just won a championship and your best player and, you know, one of the top three players in the world right now, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, he has won his first championship and that's going to help springboard him to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. He won his first championship around the same time that Michael Jordan and LeBron James won theirs. And we've seen what their careers became. So Willie Adamas, somebody who played in the World Series a year ago, his Tampa Bay Rays didn't win the World Series, of course. He was a devalued asset. And when that trade was made, I mean, this is a guy who's hitting under 200 for the season, for crying out loud. He's got a little bit of pop. He's a very good defender. But you're giving up two big bullpen arms in Rasmussen and Firehizen. Why, why would they make, oh, right, that's why I do this, talking in front of a microphone, where I can afford to be stupid about certain things from time to time, as opposed to pulling the trigger on trades like what David Stearns and Matt Arnold did with the Tampa Bay Rays. Willie Adamas should be in the conversation for MVP. Willie Adamas, again, with a couple more RBIs today, and he has helped carry the load offensively for the Brewers. Not only carry the load offensively for the Brewers, but also make you not be you know, as dependent on a guy like Christian Yelich. And I've already talked about what he has done for Luis Urias. Dalton Wong. I mean, he wasn't an in-season acquisition, but a preseason acquisition. Where would the Brewers be without Colton Wong shoring up what was a defensive liability for them? I don't know if Keston here is ever going to get it back. He's, I mean, this has been two lost years for him. I know that his mom is sick. He's dealing with that. He's dealt with COVID. He goes down to AAA. He rips the cover off the ball generally, and he comes back to the major leagues, and it looks like he never knew how to hit in the first place. I I don't understand. But what that team of Stearns and Arnold have been able to do is they've been able to pivot from, okay, well, this isn't working. Let's try this. And that's how Willie Adamas got here. And that's how Rowdy Telez got here. That's how a, a year ago Daniel Vogelbach got here. I actually think this team, with its pitching, might have enough. Everybody's got to stay healthy. But I think this team actually might have enough. And I I like to take the Ted Davis approach more often than not. I like to take the approach of I don't have any hope. Look where it, look where it got Ted. Somebody asked me recently, what would it mean more, the, the Bucks winning 
an NBA championship or the Brewers winning the World Series? And I, 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 it's an impossible question to answer because this city loves both of its teams, but this city has also been brought to the precipice so many times only to not make it and, and not be able to, to grab that golden key so many times. We're not Boston. We're not New York. We're not even Chicago when they won six NBA championships in the 1990s. We're not Los Angeles. We don't have the same ability to lure players because of the bright lights of the big city here in Milwaukee. That's okay. It forces our franchises to maybe work a little harder. And I think, again, that's okay. There have been a lot of painful seasons. I was reminded earlier today of the time the Brewers, because I made a snarky remark on on, on Twitter uh, about the Cubs, <laughs> when are they just going to fold up and go home and think about what they've done? When they jettison, you know, guys like Mike Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell and Javi Baez all within the span of about 13 minutes from that 2016 championship. There was a pressure release valve that you saw in Chicago when the when the Cubs finally broke through after 108 years of not having won a World Series. Well, with the Bucks, it had been 50 years. So that's basically a lifetime and a half for most Bucks fans. I wasn't alive in 1971, but the Brewers have never won a World Series. We've seen the Packers win a couple of them in the not too distant past. In my lifetime anyway, they've gone to 3 and won two of them. But you almost expect that from the Packers. It's become, because of the Hall of Fame quarterback play over the last 30 years, it's what we've come to expect. The Brewers today, an amazing, amazing uh, performance offensively. And uh, again, 17-4, to the uh, final score uh, today at Wrigley Field. A couple of other things going on. I I spoke about Giannis Adetokounmpo a moment ago. And uh, Giannis... If you know anything about Giannis, you know that you know that he grew up uh, watching soccer and loving soccer. And his favorite player of all time was Thierry Henry. And the Bucks posted this on Twitter earlier today. I wanted to bring it to you, just the audio of it. This being, of course, an audio medium. But Thierry Henry sent Giannis a message, a video message that the Bucks posted to their Twitter account. Is that Andre? Yeah, he Hello, big man. This is Terry. Just wanted to congratulate you and say to you, finally. Now, remember you telling me that you're going to be a champ one day and you will do everything in your power to be a champ. Now you've done it. I'm sure you have realized it's not how you fall. It's how you get up and how you stand after you're up. And you've done that. For your city, for your team, and for yourself. They tried to bring you down, but you didn't listen to the noise and finally brought the title back to Milwaukee. So now enjoy it and see you soon, champ. You said it and you delivered it. See you soon. That's crazy. There's Giannis. That's insane, man. That's really insane. Man, I wanted to be him growing up. You know, when I was um, younger, because my dad was playing soccer, I wanted to be him so, so bad. But, you know, I fell in love with basketball. But this message meant a lot to me, not from him. You know, and uh, as you said, we did it. We did it together. But now that we are, 
there's going to be a lot of people that want to bring us down again. So we got to keep working hard, keep staying humble, keep being grateful of the moment and of what we've accomplished. But we just got to put our head down and keep working, you know? But, uh, man, uh, message like this coming from a legend, you know, that, that's big. That's big time. And Thierry, thank you so much if you're watching this video. Thank you. There you go. Thierry Henry and Giannis Adetokounmpo exchanging messages uh, over, I think it was, I don't know if it was Twitter. I don't know if it was a text message, but uh, the Bucks posted that earlier today on Twitter. All right. Uh, from one MVP to another, up to Green Bay, where the Packers, of course, are preparing for the Houston Texans. One player will not play against the Houston Texans coming up on Saturday night. Actually, a lot won't. But one of them, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't play in the preseason, hasn't played in the preseason in a number of years. But Aaron Rodgers was on with NFL Network Radio's Bruce Murray. And this was posted earlier today uh, as well. Bruce Murray does the uh, morning show on NFL Network Radio, and he had the opportunity to speak with the Packers MVP quarterback and point blank asked him, when did you know that you were going to come back? And how serious were you about hanging it up? When did you know what your future was going to be? When did you ultimately arrive at the conclusion? About two days before uh, training camp started. Uh, there was conversations in February. I mean, I went through the timeline in my press conference. So since February, I knew I was probably going to be away from the team for most of the offseason. Based on the responses I was hearing and then into March when nothing really changed. So I just, you know, worked on myself and traveled and had a good uh, good offseason. Should uh, the prospect of playing again uh, present itself. I was still about 50-50 a few days before. I mean, David likes to give me some because he's like, how come you didn't tell me, you know, you're coming back? And I said, honestly, I didn't I didn't make a final decision until a few days before camp. So, you know, everybody outside the building knows what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. But you were you were really at peace. If, if it didn't work out this way, you were totally at peace with going on to do something else with your life. I was. That's a fun place to be in. Yeah. You know, when, when uh, you have passions outside of the game and, and – you still feel like you can give 100% to the game. And that's what I didn't want to cheat my teammates, uh, the organization, myself, anybody counting on me, the fans, by not being able to be all in. So it took me a lot of the offseason to wrap my head around what the season would look like. And I think it was important for me to remain in silence about a lot of things because of my love and appreciation for the organization. I didn't want to get into a you know, name-calling match uh, in public. And I think, like I've said, there is a lot of wisdom in silence. Uh, the way that my press conference played i don't think if i make the same comment in april or may or june it, it people it resonates with people as much um but it was a contemplative contemplative off season also a really fun off season traveling and, and and enjoying my time and doing the things that make me most happy uh so i feel like i'm at peace coming back totally focused on the season all in with the guys and Excited about 2021. All right, that was Aaron Rodgers on with NFL Network Radio's Bruce Murray earlier today, and he says he was at peace with walking away. I don't, I don't know that I believe that. I think that the fire still burned, and he just wanted some different things, and maybe that was a change of scenery. One of the different things that he wanted. I, you know, he says he's at peace. I'm, I can't sit here and call Aaron Rodgers a liar, but everything that he's done to me, says that that was not the case. The flirtation with Jeopardy notwithstanding, I mean, he even told Kenny Mayne, yeah, I'd love to do both. Well, 
They went in a different direction because they didn't want their host to treat Jeopardy or hosts, I guess the case maybe with uh, the two new hosts that they have uh, named for the permanent job. They wanted that to be your real full-time job, not flying in once a week on Tuesdays on your day off, taping a bunch of shows, and then going back to Green Bay, which I can respect. Uh, As for the head coach, Matt (laughs) LaFleur, he's got uh, some interesting decisions to make, Uh, certainly along with Brian Gutekunst, the general manager. But game one of the preseason and game one of the evaluations come up on Saturday night. And look, I mean, the struggle to get everybody in and get everybody work and get everybody fully evaluated, that struggle is real. You're still trying to get everybody prepared, so we wanted the guys that were going to play more in the game on Saturday to get a little bit more work yesterday and then lessen their volume t- today so they can recover for the game. And conversely, the guys that aren't going to be playing, there's going to be a long stretch where we have multiple days off, so you'd like them to kind of get their volume in today. So it's kind of... You're kind of juggling the roster a little bit. So then the question becomes of his quarterback, not Aaron Rodgers, whom we just heard from, but Jordan Love, who's going to get the start and going to get most of the reps, not just against the Texans, but also in the next two preseason games as well. We haven't seen Jordan Love in a Packers uniform in a real game. This is his second season, obviously. There was no preseason a year ago. The last time that anybody saw Jordan Love play competitive football, it was when he was at Utah State throwing 17 interceptions. And yet the Packers still thought enough of him to not only draft him in the first round, but to trade up a couple of spots to get him in the first round. So the approach of, well, what do you expect Jordan Love to do this week? How do you expect him to approach it? Is it as it was a preseason game, or would you rather have him treat this and his game week of preparation as if this were a regular season game and he was really starting against a team in a game that counted? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And typically in the past, I'd say when there were four preseason games, we would treat that third preseason like that. Um, You know, I wouldn't say that there's – we're not going to do any cards. I mean, shoot, we know who the coordinators are down in Houston, Lovey Smith and then um, Tim Kelly, who was there last year. So we have an idea of what they may do. So there is a little bit of card work, but, but the majority of that is done in our walkthroughs. So this evening we'll have a walkthrough geared towards that first preseason game and then as well as tomorrow. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur earlier today. This is the game night. I'm Doug Russell. Every day we broadcast live from the Iron Jock Studios. Iron Jock, the most advanced performance gear ever. Now through August 22nd, order the Workout Essentials Bundle, which is their antimicrobial shorts, T-shirts, socks, and you get a bonus workout towel, all for just $69.99. Good for the kids, too, for going back to school as well. Shipping is free. Workout and don't stink. Order yours at ironjock.com. That's ironjoc.com. Our MLB insider, Paul Wagner, coming up straight ahead. I'm Doug Russell. This is the Game Night. Welcome back in. It's the game night. Doug Russell with you on this Thursday, August 12th. The Brewers with a 17-4 win over the Cubs today. That was fun. 
Time now for our nightly appearance from former Brewers right-hander Paul Wagner, and it's brought to you by Wealth Freedom Advisors. Is your retirement and estate plan up to date? Are you aware of how the 2020 Secure Act will affect you and your family? Tim and his team at Wealth Freedom Advisors can guide you through these vital topics. Call 262-628-1618 to learn more. Fresh off of dropping his baby girl off at college is Paul Wagner Wags. Have you have you dried the tears yet? Is the lump in the throat still there after dropping her off? No, it's it's going to be there. But the horror stories that I've heard, elevators are going to break. It's going to be hot and humid. It's going to be raining. People are going to be cranky and crabby, and and everything is just going to be a nightmare. And I'm like, you know what? Everybody talks about it. They always say that, but it never is. It was. It was everything that everybody <laughs> warned me about. I will say this, and hand to God, this is what happened on my first day in Grunhagen Hall, UW Oshkosh. It was overflow freshman student housing. I lived on the 10th floor. My first day as a freshman at college, my parents had dropped me off like two hours prior, and I was going from my 10th floor dorm down to Blackhawk Commons for dinner. I was the only one in the elevator, and I got stuck for an hour and a half. So it happens. <laughs> it, it happens. It happens, and it's bad. It's just bad. And then this is uh, it's Waterson Towers, but we don't have to talk about it too much, but down here in Illinois. And, and I tell you what, there's there are people and parents. If anybody would say that this is like a... Um, family counseling or <laughs> in any way, shape, or form good for the family bonding, they are absolutely wrong. <laughs> Very nice. What's she studying down there? She is uh, just a general business. General business and uh, a new baseball coach down there is Steve Holmes. Steve came from Purdue. Um, the new athletic director came out from, I believe he was from Utah, Kyle Brennan. Great guy. So, uh, she is uh, she is there with the athletes. She is not competing as an athlete, but uh, you know some of the players they, they've just been great for her. So they've been taking care of her. We know a couple football players who are fifth year COVID seniors down there. So again, she she's fitting right in, and she's at, she'll have a good time. Yeah, she's a legacy. So just as everybody, if everybody understands that, I think she's going to be fine. Um, is everyone in Illinois because you're you're still down there, having just dropped off uh, your daughter? Are they are they sad? Are they sad today because of <laughs> I have seen I have seen I, and I and I grew up I went to school here I grew up down here I love everything about the I love Wrigley Field and people are going to be so mad at me but I have not seen one cub and usually those cubbies they they fly their t-shirts and they have their bumper stickers everything is just flopped to south sider <laughs> everything I've seen wow. now is is the White Sox. I think they're so embarrassed with the Cubs that they just even peeled the stuff off their bumpers. Wow, because we all know what the Wrigley Field Chad uniform is. It's it's the cargo shorts, it's the flip-flops, it's the backwards Cubs hat, and the uh, the jersey could be from anybody. I mean, literally anyone past or present. The white pinstripe Cubs home uniform, unbuttoned, and, you know, with like a beer or two in hand. That is the uniform that they all wear in Wrigleyville. And if they're not rocking it on the college campus, something is seriously amiss because the Brewers came away with a four-game sweep, and it wasn't particularly close. Today, 17-4. to Last night, Corbin Burns was staked to a 7 nothing lead before he ever took the mound. Hell, he hit before he pitched 
last night. These are high cotton days for the Brewers, and I got to tell you, this is a lot of fun to watch. It is, it is. And when Manny Pena's hitting 17 home runs in the game at nine at-bats, right. it's, it's, it's crazy. But, again, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, and I've heard a lot of guys talking about it. You know what? You, you can't take runs with you. Unfortunately, you score 17, you score seven in the first. Jake Arrieta, that's all great. You got to remember what we're doing it against because I do believe that the offense is a is something that we we have to continue on. If bats are going to be hot, I want them to stay hot because they can go cold pretty quick. And as we've talked about for the first half of the season, pitching and defense is outstanding for this Milwaukee Brewer team. And sometimes we question that offense. So. Let them stay hot. Let them roll. Unfortunately, we can't pocket a few runs and keep them for the next day. That would be nice, although they've got Pittsburgh coming up. I want to ask you about the Pirates here in a second, kind of a a macro question about them. But the Brewers have 46 games left. They've played 116. If they go, and I said this in the first segment of the show, if they go 500 the rest of the way, just 500, they're going to wind up 93-69. and Yep. I, I, I mean, I, I thought they were an 88-win team at best when the season began, and I was like, ah, really not. I mean, I, I think they're okay, but I, I still have questions about the pitching staff. Is it going to be good enough? Yes, it has been. That, that question's been answered. Again, just 500 gets them to 93 wins. It's, it's something that I've said on all the shows, and guys have been laughing at me. You know, Craig, this is this will be Craig's fourth trip to the postseason consecutively with this Milwaukee Brewer Club. And and I told those guys, even Coon in the morning, I told them, hey, at game 142, the way this schedule plays out, you watch, by game 142, Craig Council will be able to let Brandon Woodruff go three innings or maybe Corbin Burns go four innings and control their their, you know, their workloads. And he can actually, for the first time in three or four years, be able to set up the rotation where he wants it to be. And it's so exciting because you're right. We've always been talking about where's this offense coming? Where are all these question marks? These questions have been answered. And you know what? As, as down as we are, worst batting average in baseball or the fourth worst batting average in baseball, they're still doing it. Somehow they're scoring runs. They're, it, it's it's going to be crazy. Now we got the Pittsburgh Pirates, and, and they're terrible as well. This Milwaukee Brewer team is going to be clinching and rolling into the playoffs in the postseason at game 142. Does it give you any satisfaction that you were really on the last good Pirates team right before Barry Bonds left for San Francisco? <laughs> People say, you played for the Pirates? Oh, yeah, they say suck. I go, hey, we really used to be good. I know it was a million years ago, but we really were good. We had couple we even had the best player in the game Barry Bonds and they go no no he played in San Francisco I go yeah I know how it goes <laughs> um you were also there though and I and, and this is the question that I that I've kind of been stewing on today because you were there between 1992 and 1993 when Barry did leave from Pittsburgh to go to San Francisco and I think the Cubs fans are kind of going through that as well when, you know, you see Mike Rizzo and Chris Bryant, Craig Kimball, Javi Baez. They're all jettisoned at the deadline this year. And I know it was one player, and, and we're talking about multiple players on the Cubs, but how deflating was that when Bonds left Pittsburgh to go to San Francisco for the guys like yourself who were left? Yeah, it is. It's, 
It is. It's a it's a devastating situation, and it's almost where you want to be one of those guys that hey, if everybody else is moving, you know, let me move. Let me try to do something because the cupboards were so bare. And you know what? We had a great manager. Obviously, he's a Hall of Fame manager, and we had a couple pieces. We we thought we could do it, or the Pirates thought they could do it. You know, with a Gold Glove shortstop staying back, and then finally they they moved Jay Bell. Andy Van Slyke moves on, and it's tough. So I look at these Cubs. And you see where they were and how long it took Wrigleyville to, 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 to shine. And unfortunately, it's a time when they're breaking it down. And the guys that are there, and, and that's Jake, that, that is not Jake Arietta. Jake Arietta is old. He, he is down. He doesn't have the talents he used to have. But just looking at the way those guys are playing, the veterans are going to have a hard time. Zach Davies, hard time. Starting the year in San Diego, going to be in the postseason. And all of a sudden, right before the season starts, you Darvish comes, Davies goes to Chicago. It's tough. It's tough for veterans. But you know what? you got to suck it up. You continue to cash your paycheck. And it's a time for these young players to prove they belong. Last couple of minutes with former Brewers right-hander Paul Wagner, our MLB insider here on the game night on 97.3 The Game. Corbin Burns last night, 10 strikeouts in a row. He was as dialed in. I mean, this was an historical performance from him. Man, you want to talk about somebody who's dialed in right now during the time of year where you need to be dialed in. He was great early in the season. He's fantastic right now. Have you ever seen somebody just kind of just zero in like he is at this moment? No. And I don't think anybody really has, you know. He starts the year 58 strikeouts without a walk, never been done before. You know, he passes Wayno or Wainwright. He passes and breaks that record. Kenley Jansen had it out of the bullpen. Now all of a sudden his cutter and everything is working again, and he punches out 10 straight. Fever back in the day. It's incredible, and I've never seen it. And if you really look back, when has there ever been three starters in baseball? You know, I don't even know when. When you had a Brandon Woodruff, a Corbin Burns, and a Freddie Peralta who could legitimately, if Jake DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom does not come back, those three guys could be kind of far-fetched, but they could definitely be top five vote-getters for the Cy Young Award this year. And then you've got a number four starter in Adrian Hauser, who's hopefully coming back soon off the COVID list. He's had a fantastic season as well, but he's buried at number four, and he's you know nobody's really paying that much attention to him. One through four, I'll put the Brewers' rotation up against anybody in baseball, and when the playoffs roll around, that's when it really matters. And then, like you said, then the playoffs roll around, and then we got the, you got Brett Anderson, and again, you know what? He's a lefty, he's deceptive, he's different, but he's a veteran. And if you don't like that, if you want to piggyback that or separate that with Lauer or however you want to do it, but. Yeah, you got four right-handed starters that are legit, and you got a veteran savvy pitcher, Brett Anderson, who won't be scared of the lights or scared of the green grass or the big crowd. So I think the five-man rotation, if that's how they're going to go, or you know, at least stretch it out to six to save some innings and some arms, Milwaukee Brewer bullpen coming back with Josh Hader, I love it. I think defense and pitching is going to win it, and this team is really set up very nicely going into the postseason. Yeah, no doubt about that. Paul Wagner joining us here on 97.3 The Game. Paul, I'll let you get back to uh, driving home after dropping off your daughter at college. The Pirates uh, and Brewers start a weekend series tomorrow. We'll check in with you tomorrow, and we'll have a preview of your former team against your former former team. Yeah, we'll do that tomorrow here on the game night. <laughs> 
There's a lot of former teams when you get fired as many times as I have. Join the club. <laughs> I told you you have a good one. <laughs> you too. There he goes. Paul Wagner joining us here on the game night. Yeah, you know, some of us have some former teams. Paul has some. I've got some. I've uh, got a question on uh, Jeff in Mucktown on the AppellaWI.com talk and text line, which is always open to you, by the way. Uh, 414-799-1973. Can the Brewers afford either Burns or Woodruff? Here's the good news. They don't have to find out for a couple more years. They're not going to be free agents until 2024. Ride it out. They've got control over these guys for a few more years. It's going to be just fine. We're going to change gears, talk some Badgers football. Jay Kokorowski, senior writer for Badgers Blitz. Coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. I'm Doug Russell. This is the game night. 97.3 The Game. Final segment here on the game night. Doug Russell with you. 97.3, the game on this Thursday, August 12th. Coming up, of course, right here on the game on September 4th. It is the Badgers' first game of the season at home. Penn State. Oh, looking forward to it. Can't wait. And I know my next guest can't wait either. You can read his outstanding work at the Badger Blitz, part of the Rivals Network, where he is their senior writer. Jake Kokorowski joining us here on the game night. Jake, appreciate the time. How are you doing tonight? Oops, there we go. Um, there we go. How are you, how you doing tonight, Jake? <laughs> no, I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, it's you know, weather, a little warm, humid dog days. I love it, though. It's uh, good to cover some football once again and, uh, you know, being back in Camp Randall Stadium the past couple days. What has to happen for this, in your eyes, to be what you would call a successful camp for the Wisconsin Badgers? A uh, successful camp? Uh, I would say with that, just yeah, maintaining health. Uh, would be big in my eyes with, with some key players uh, when it comes to, you know, I think wide receiver where, you know, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, who, you know, they missed a combined nine games last year, uh, you know, due to respective concussions. And then uh, on top of that, just, yeah, I think on the defensive line, keeping players healthy that way, uh, because, uh, you know, there are a couple of positions that I would say in terms of depth where, uh, you know, the starters may be there, but then if they're injured, like it's football, it's going to happen. Uh, with injuries, you want to have a player, you know, you want to have people game ready to step up. Uh, so I think even like, you know, defensive line, even tight end, I would say where you have Jake Ferguson, but then, uh, you know, who, you know, there's still a young emerging group of tight ends that are talented, uh, but we're waiting, waiting to see who's the next all, you know, all around type t- tight end in that group. Um, regardless of injuries, you know, seeing growth out of Graham Mertz uh, and the quarterback room, uh, we saw some growth in, in the five of the 15 packs, you know, five of the 15 practices in the spring. Uh, we, we were able to watch the reporters were. Uh, so I saw the growth out of, you know, out of him there. Uh, you know, I've seen, you know, I thought uh, yesterday's practice, he, he showed a little bit more than the day before. Uh, and he looks real, you know, solid for the most part too. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I think, you know, development of Mertz, the running backs uh, in particular, uh, watching Jalen Berger and Clemson transfer Ches Malusi, how they develop, but also just the depth in the running back room. If, if Isaac Rendo or Julius Davis or Brady Shipper or even that four-star uh, signee Braylon Allen, who uh, was uh, fantastic for Fond du Lac in the spring season uh, just a few months ago, you know who steps up there in terms of uh, making game uh, game-changing you know plays in practice. Um, so those are just some of the things I think, and maybe the last thing on defense would just be uh, you know seeing more. You know, we saw. It, yesterday uh particularly in the last period of practice but pass rush uh wisconsin only had 11 sacks last year in seven games and the year prior in 14 they had 51 so uh the more pressure the more uh, chaos and turnovers they can create 
Uh, you mentioned Ches Malusi there, the uh, transfer from Clemson. So far, how has he looked in camp? And I guess the big question is, you know, he comes from this huge program at Clemson. Not that Wisconsin isn't a big program, but they compete for different things. I'll ask you about that in a second. But is it possible that he could be the Badgers feature runner? Um, I think with, with, with Ches, I mean, he has the ability. I think I think him and Berger, I think an ideal situation. It's been with every Wisconsin running back uh, duo, you know, maybe with the exception of Jonathan Taylor, but even though he got you know, some help at times, but it's always good to have a combination of running backs uh, when it comes to Wisconsin, right? And, you know, me had Monte Ball and James White, and then James White and Melvin Gordon, and then, you know, Melvin Gordon, Corey Clement, uh, and whatnot. So you, having that, you know, even in 2016 where the running game was really starting to, you know, build back up uh, in the Paul Chris area, you had Corey Clement and Daria Goombawale. Uh, it's good to have tandems in college football so that, uh, you know, you don't have just one player getting all the carries and all the wear and tear. Uh, I think Malusi can be in there. And from what I've seen, you know, and, like we've, and just as a disclaimer to everybody too, you know, we've only been able to watch two of, of the fall camp practices so far. So we'll see another two tomorrow and Saturday, uh, and we'll watch, we'll watch more next week. So, But, you know, from the limited time we've been able to see with him, um, he looks pretty fluid in the backfield. Uh, you know, there's one, one run in particular where, you know, he goes off to the edge on the left side, and he waits for his blocks. You, you saw some patience out of him there uh, before, you know, going, going through the hole. Uh, you've seen that. He's been able to catch the ball out of the backfield. He, he believes he can do that. In uh, you know, Gary Brown, the new running backs coach who has mentored the likes of Ezekiel Elliott, uh, DeMarco Murray, and Darren McFadden when he was at you know, with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, he's saying that he thinks that Malusi could be, you know, a true three down back. And that, and so he also, you know, I think, um, you know, talking to, you know, the Berger and uh, Jalen Berger, who, you know, I think it's, I think both of those players could be three down backs. And if they can do that, you know, that's going to take Wisconsin that not just the rushing attack, but the passing attack even further as well. So I, I think in the running back room in general, there's a lot of talent. There is inexperience. And even with Malusi going from Clemson, he played in 21 career games, but he only had 427 yards uh, rushing. So, I mean, he was behind, you know, Travis Etienne, sure. who obviously now is with the Jacksonville Jaguars too. So, you know, he's a little bit unproven uh, in that sense. It's because he, he sat behind, you know, a consensus of All-American for two years too. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the group evolves. But I think Malusi's got the talent. Uh, and combined with Berger and a couple of like a couple, a couple others like Isaac Arendo, it could be a really talented room uh, if if injuries don't uh, pop up and if they continue to their development. Jay Kokorowski, senior writer from uh, the Badger Blitz, part of the Rivals Network, joining us here on the game night. Now, kind of a bigger picture question. I mentioned that you know Malusi coming from Clemson. Clemson competes for different things than Wisconsin does. Clemson every year competes for a national championship. The Badgers are competing right now for a Big Ten championship, and they've got to get over that hurdle of Ohio State before they can start thinking about the college football playoff. In your opinion, how important is it for the other guys in the room to bring in someone who comes from a place that has those national championship expectations as Clemson that Malusi brings in? Right, and it's something that even Gary Brown had, had mentioned uh, when I, I'm bringing up the quote right now on my my laptop, but you know, he had mentioned to, to me during Wisconsin's media day just last week, for that matter, just about just how the mentality that he could bring to that room, uh, you know. And even and Malusi mentioned even yesterday when he was talking to reporters, it was the first time we all had a chance to speak with him uh, after announcing that he was coming to, to Madison from 
Clemson. Long, yeah, he basically, long story short, you said that he, you know, even at the age of 19, he still feels like a veteran being uh, <laughs> at Clemson there. But, you know, uh, essentially what he had said too is just, you know, he, he, he brings, uh, you know, he's going to come, you know, like Gary Brown said, he's going to come and bring a championship pedigree, a championship work ethic, a championship type of mentality that, that Wisconsin wants, you know, wants there. And so I think that's part of it where, you know, it's all, I think that'll help. Uh, to an extent, but it's also just Wisconsin. Uh, I think for them this season, it's going to be, you know, taking care of business like they know they, they have. And I think it, from the, you know, they have before, I think this you know season, I mean, Notre Dame's going to be tough. The season over against Penn state and a very talented passing attack is going to be difficult. And um, there's always Michigan and the rivalry games are always the rivalry games that uh, Wisconsin will need to prepare for, but they've had that mentality of just take one game at a time. And if it serves them right, I think with the talent that they have, they can get back to that Big Ten championship game. Uh, and and I, I really do like the makeup of this team with the talent it has. Uh, so, I mean, again, you know, we'll see what happens between now and September 4th. <laughs> game <laughs> game. But uh, this team, you know, I do feel like there's a lot of talent on this team that could be a Big Ten cha- championship caliber team. It's just what happens with injuries, what happens with the opponents and, and whatnot moving forward. Uh, only have about a minute and a half left as we're joined by Jay Kokorowski from Badger Blitz. Paul Christ is taking back the play calling sheet. In your opinion, how significant is that? It, I think with Paul, I think it'll help a little bit uh, with Wisconsin. And it's always tough, too, because, you know, Joe Rudolph, that was, a, in my eyes, a tough year for Joe Rudolph to take over those duties because you're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, obviously Wisconsin lost two games early on because of the COVID-19 numbers within the program. Uh, and those two games were canceled against Nebraska, you know, Nebraska and Purdue uh, right after that Illinois win. Uh, but, you know, Wisconsin too, in Michigan, no one was complaining about the play calling uh, with, with Joe calling plays when they racked up how many points against Illinois and another 49 on, on Michigan, right. Uh, or another, you know, nearly 50 burger on, on Michigan. So it's, uh, in my eyes, like it, it's rough and you saw injuries and everything. Uh, but Paul, you know, has experience as a play caller too. And I think it'll be beneficial. I think what happens is it'll allow Rudolph to go and have the ability to, uh, you know, work more on the offensive line and work on details there and what they're seeing at the line and be more entrenched within what's happening within his position group. He's still the run game coordinator for that matter. Uh, so that'll be, you know, it's still significant there, but, Wisconsin too, like, you know, Paul taking over, he's had experience, you know, as the offensive coordinator uh, at Wisconsin before he became the head coach and now as the head coach, uh, you know, I think uh, Wisconsin should be ready. I think that offense could be primed for really big things with him calling plays too. Jake, we appreciate the time and the insights. I'll see you in Madison and we'll look forward to talking to you again on the game night. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, first round on me with some spot to come, my friend. When you get up here. Perfect. That's the best deal I've had all day. Uh, Jake Okorowski, you can watch or uh, read his outstanding work uh, at Badger Blitz, part of the Rivals Network, and follow him as I do, as you should too, at Jake Coco, J A K E K O C O, at Jake Coco on Twitter, and uh, he'll bring you the uh, the latest and greatest news from the University of Wisconsin. Hopefully, it's great news uh, this year for the Badgers. I'm looking for me. I'm looking for a rebound in 2021 as opposed to what we saw in 2020 a lot of stops and starts covid wrecked a lot of things in life and just one of the things that it kind of dinged last year was the badgers uh football season i do have one uh ben in plymouth he says that a world series on the talking text line the pellawi.com talking text line a world series would mean more than an nba championship but it might be more impressive building a team with a lower payroll 
than our competition. Well, it's possible as well. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Game Night. Thanks to Jay Kokorowski. Thanks to Paul Wagner. Thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on 97.3 The Game. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey.